What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I'm a Dream Mason, a performance coach. I work with strong and successful people to boldly declare what they want, get real about what's in the way, and create the strategy and the steps for more clarity, freedom, and success in their life. Together, we get things done faster, raise the bar on your goals, improve your relationships, and get crystal clear on what you really want. Now, if you haven't already, Please support me and this podcast by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, or YouTube, and please leave a review on iTunes. Follow me, Inspirational Alex, on Instagram, and share this podcast with a friend. Now, a dream mason is a person who is brave enough to declare they have a dream and committed enough to do the work to build it. Now, I know we all have a dream mason inside of us, and my dream for this podcast is to support us by giving us a glimpse inside the hearts and minds of leaders, creators, and innovators to help us unleash our inner dream mason. Because your dreams don't build themselves. I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Accomplishment Coaching. I won't let anyone sponsor this show, but I've personally done Accomplishment Coaching, their year-long life leadership training program, and it changed my life completely. Besides giving me a new career, it supported me to improve my relationships with my family, my friends, make the most money I've ever made, find more joy, and overall live a much more powerful life. So if you're interested in coaching, transformational work, or leadership training, Accomplishment Coaching is definitely the world's finest training program. Let's get into this episode. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. So what were you doing around the year 2000, year 2002? I was, uh, I was in college. I was in college in Southern California. And I, I remember this show coming out uh, called American Idol. And, and, you know, in 2002, reality shows were not as abundant and everywhere as they are now. So a show like American Idol comes on and it's a talent show. It's not just a, a drama reality show so it's it's a little different um and it, it was probably one of the earliest reality shows and i remember you know hearing about it and watching some episodes and seeing like you know these people that would put themselves on the line and like in front of the world and basically sing and just being in admiration of, of that ability not only the ability but the courage that it would take to put yourself in that spot and then I also remember that at the end, it came down to two people who just seemed like they were just battling it out. Um, and if you guys remember 2002, um, it was Kelly Clarkson and Justin Guarini. And I, rem I like my memory of this is these two just like were just like neck and neck. And I don't know if that's how it was. And, and we're going to find out a little more today. But that's my memory of it. And both of them went on to have careers in, in different ways, and there's probably some similarities. But today on the podcast, I have one of them. Uh, Justin Guarini is my guest today on the Dream Mason podcast. So he was the runner-up of the first season of American Idol. He is a Broadway veteran. He's also created a brand called Audition Secrets. There's a book, there's a podcast, and there's a soon-to-be course 
Justin is up to some big things and helping people launch their careers and get people jobs and gigs and help them really take it to the next level. Justin, welcome to the Dream Mason podcast. Man, thank you so very much for having me. It's great to be here. Dude, I, I since I introduced you and I, you know, American Idol is how I'm familiar with you. I'm not an actor. I'm not auditioning for things, thank God. I don't know that I would want to deal with re that kind of rejection and judgment all day long. <laughs> um, can we go back there for a second and just touch on it and then we can leave it behind? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I, I, well, first of all, I don't think I ever want to leave that behind. <laughs> Getting in front of 30 million people each week. I mean, think about that time. You know, 2002 isn't all that long ago, yet the changes that have not only happened in our country, in the world, and in technology as we know it are so vast. I mean, you know, it's like that thing that six months, every six months, you know, technology is outdated mm -hmm. right now, but like, 2002, social media didn't exist as we know it. The iPhone w didn't exist at all um, as we know yeah. it anyway, at least publicly. Um, so many things have changed. Television has changed since then. I mean, you, you want to talk about reality television. That was at the forefront of reality television when reality television had uh, more to actually do with reality. And so, no, I don't ever want to leave that behind. Yeah, we can just touch on it right here. But it was a really unique experience for me. It was an amazing experience for me. And it has really uh, paved the, the way for so much of the stuff that I'm doing right now. And something that you said, um, you know, audition secrets. Yeah, you're not auditioning for things. You're right. But a lot of the things that I talk about in the book, uh, a lot of things I talk about in the podcast, and we'll talk about in the course, also apply to people who are just going in for interviews. Because I mean, that's really an audition as well, if you think about it. If you're going in to get a job or a raise or something else, there are techniques that you can use in that situation that are just the same as if you were going in to sing or dance or act for some people on the other side of the table to get a job in the entertainment industry. Yeah, that's great. That's actually really great advice. Like, do you, so do all the people that work with you, are they actors or did you have, you know, people in other fields that are actually currently? Yeah, currently I work with uh, actors and performers right now. And I think once I establish the kind of foothold that I want to have there in that market, I'm going to branch out because there is a, a market that is really needs to be served in terms of the entrepreneurial um, aspect of selling your products online. It's so interesting. I, I've seen over the past um, few weeks, actually, uh, a ramp up in a lot of the emails that I'm getting because I'm an entrepreneur and, you know, I, I subscribe to a whole bunch of people. A lot of people are talking about, hey, the way to sell things online now, the way to get your message out there online now is with video, with live video, with Facebook ads that have video, 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 video. Mm -hmm. Yet there are so many people who are terrified or who don't understand their own power and understand that, you know what, if you just get on the screen and you follow just some simple techniques, you can, you can actually be your wonderful self. You can sell things without having to pretend like you're acting or pretend to be somebody else. And, and so it's really interesting. I think my next market is going to be how to teach entrepreneurs how yeah. to, in essence, perform their own <laughs> work and and really sell things online in a way that's natural and that's authentic 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 
authentic to who they are. Because when you are connected to your own story, and this goes for people who are performers or people who are selling things online or people who just want to get out there and just share a message, share their experience with people. When you are authentic to your own story, that gives us, the audience, the ability to instantly and deeply connect with you and connect with what it is that you, your message. That's beautiful. And it's so true. I do a lot. I do a lot of videos and that is the most challenging thing, right? Like the, how do I get the message across? How do I have it land that is not performing, right? We get into these, a lot of, a lot of clients I work with, will get into like, Hey, you're in performance, which isn't necessarily authentic. Right. And there's a balance, right? Because I don't want to show up like a mess and I want to show up authentically and get my message out there. That's a really, um, it's a really powerful thing that you could be giving people that don't know how to do it. And there are people doing it, but you're actually trained in how to do that. Right. And so it's like blending those two worlds is a really great idea. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. What, um, it, from the, I love, I like that you said you don't want to leave the American idol piece behind. Cause I think that's something really powerful. And it's like, you're also not hanging your hat on like holding on to the past without being able to move powerfully forward. What's the, when I was talking about it before, was it as like, did it feel as neck and neck and like intense as it did for people that were experiencing or the audience? Well, yes and no. Did it feel neck and neck? I don't think we saw ourselves that way. I can't speak for Kelly, of course, but uh, knowing her, knowing, you know, how, intense that situation was and we were in it together to be honest with you neither one of us really wanted to win (laughs) which is really strange when you think about it because we were at the end of you know a marathon is what like 20 Mm -hmm. 20 some odd point three mile however many miles it is right and when you're at the end of it you just want it to be over (laughs) you know what i mean i'm now i've never run a marathon right but i'm going to assume that when you get to the end of the marathon you're ready for it to be over how about that and so we got to the end of this huge marathon where we're in front of 30 million people 50 million spike at one point these super bowl numbers and we are in this intense process. You got that part right. It was super intense. I mean, we're getting little sleep every single night. We are flying back and forth between New York and LA doing press, promoting this. We're learning all these numbers. But there's so many things we have to record in the studio because whomever wins is going to have their version of the song released that day or that night, whatever. And so, so much going on. And while it was intense, I don't think it was neck and neck because we didn't see it that way. And I don't believe it was neck and neck because if there was a way to describe us, and I think the person who created the show, uh, Simon Fuller, described it best. He said, you know what, you're the all-rounder and Kelly is the voice. Mm. And that was the way it was. And I think things ended up the way they were supposed to. And I really was genuinely so happy on a bunch of different levels because she was my friend, is my friend. And uh, because I I was just so happy and because I felt like she deserved it when she won at the end. And I just was like, yes, baby. And I turned to her and I hugged her. I was so, so happy. And looking back on that now, I have no regrets because it was, it, it ended up the way it was supposed to be because she had everything that she needed to be the American Idol and to be successful in that way. And I think that I 
didn't. And had I been put in that situation, um, I either would have been a failure or probably been dead at this point or have been one of those stories uh, that you see on, you know, the tabloid channels. It's like, you know, super success and then there's some sort of horrible meltdown that happens. And so, you know, I don't hang on to that. And yet, there was a time when I victimized myself. You want to talk about moving powerfully forward. There was a time when I victimized myself and I had to just reach threshold. You know, Tony Robbins talks about threshold and you just reach that moment where you're like, okay, fork in the road. I'm either going to continue down this path and self-destruct or I'm going to take everything that I've gained, all the knowledge, all the wisdom, good, bad, indifferent, and everything in between, and I'm going to move powerfully forward, and I'm going to take that, and I'm going to make a life, and I'm going to create a legacy built upon that foundation. You speak about it, like you speak about her, you speak about the experience with like such reverence and such, um, just such positivity. And I love that you touched on just now, you actually went back and shared, because I was curious, like, hey, were you, did you feel like this then, which you shared, you know, you didn't necessarily afterwards. But the way you're speaking of it is, in hindsight, did you realize all this back then? Like, or were you getting, did you have people supporting you to help you kind of curb that and powerfully go forward? Or is this stuff you've kind of just had to figure out over time? Hell no, I didn't realize that back then. <laughs> I was 22, 23 years old. And you know, anybody who can, has enough space, uh, enough age rather, <laughs> can look back on 22 and 23 and say, man, I thought I knew a lot, but I realized I didn't know anything at all. <laughs> and then you take someone who, I mean, I'm 40 now, and I did not know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was 22. I mean, I was literally plucked out of obscurity, put in front of America. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I was playing, I was in essence, it was a Super Bowl yeah. performance where it was just two players on the field, right? <laughs> and so then after that, you know, I learned all of my lessons the hard way. And one of the reasons why I wrote Audition Secrets, the book, and I do the podcast and I have the course and all this other stuff is because I came to the realization here at 40 years of age that there are so many people out there who are heading, barreling headlong at so many of the pitfalls that I fell into, so many of the traps, so many of the the hard-learned lessons the uh, hard way learned lessons that I learned. And if there's anything that I can do to help them vault over that, that's what I want to provide. And so to answer your question more directly, no, there weren't people besides my family, but they, I, they were literally 3000 miles away from me here in Pennsylvania, where I am now. I was in LA and I didn't have anyone who was like, Hey, I'm going to take you under my wing. I've been here. I've done that. I was in essence, on my own in Hollywood with a ton of money. It's like I had a lot of money, but not a lot of sense, right? Mm -hmm. And I love to say whenever I see someone come up on the screen who's like, you know, 
like it, whether it's you know Michael Jackson or Whitney Houston or all these one name people who have died, you know, and, or who have made terrible choices and destroyed their lives, I think it's like, man, they had too much money and not enough sense. And I was that person. I had too much money and not enough sense, and I was in the middle of a cesspool trying to just stay afloat in L.A. And so I, I one of the biggest mistakes that I made was I tried to show that I was successful, show that I had it all together. And really all I was doing was uh, basically just, I, I dug a big hole um, and put uh, um, you know, like those charcoal briquettes in it. And then I just tossed money into it. Basically, I just tossed stacks of dollars into it because I was trying to show that I was successful. I was trying to keep up with the Joneses. I was yeah. trying to take all of that attention that I had. And instead of creating content and having the wisdom and the foresight to create content and, and, and to serve my audience at a high level, I was just trying to show them that I was okay, even though the press said something different, even though the numbers for my album and for the movie and for every other damn thing that I touched said differently. And, and so, no, I didn't have that support. But again, I don't, I, now at 40, I can look back fondly on that time and say, wow, that was exactly what I needed. Those were the lessons that I needed to learn to get to where I am today so that I have the wisdom, that I have the experience, and I have the desire and drive to create a legacy and reach back and help people who are hopefully on the way to where I am and will go beyond anything I've ever done, avoid the traps and the pitfalls that I fell into. It's so common, right? We don't realize the, the really challenging moments in our lives or the moments that are, you know, you know, making us stronger, right? We don't go to a gym to lift like a one pound weight that wouldn't do anything, right? It actually takes the, the hard work, the stress, the yeah. pressure, to build the muscle and it's the same thing here right you you had to endure and get through and the lessons you learned and the muscles that you built and when i say muscles i mean like inside of your mind and yeah and with who you are as a human being to get you to the place that you are now and i'm even Absolutely. i wonder you're you're married correct yeah i'm married i've uh, been about married for 10 years this september and we have three lovely children what have you what did that like experience that kind of high and low and having to come back up how did that or how does that impact and help you be a better father a better husband yeah um that's a really great question i think if we want to talk about husband those highs and those lows um i'm really lucky that my wife is just so wonderful. She's an artist. She gets artistry. She gets the artist brain. She's a wonderful writer. Um, and I'm just lucky that I have someone in my life who is a constant. You know, in my business, it is feast and famine in the entertainment business for everyone, regardless of what level you're at. I mean, even Tom Hanks, who has, you know, more money than God and has been in more things, it still is a feast and famine situation because he's like, okay, I don't need money, um, but I do need fulfillment and stimulation and what am I going to produce? What, what's my next thing that I'm going to be in? I've got, you know, he has his own set of needs, right? Well, it's the same thing across the board, no matter what level you're at. For me, it's, uh, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, 
little sweet on the diet Dr. Pepper commercials and I've been <laughs> on Broadway and I've done all these other things, but I am beholden to the man. And when the man says, we don't want to do the little sweet commercials anymore, or we don't want to do this Broadway show anymore, or, we don't want to do X, Y, and Z, then I'm out of a job, right? And so in the whirlwind of the business, the entertainment business, to be able to have grounding of family, grounding of an outstanding wife, grounding of these beautiful children who I get to experience the world through their eyes all over again. I get to rediscover rather the world through their eyes. And, and I find out more about myself. <laughs> and, and at times really when, when, when my kids stress me out, I find out a lot about myself, you know, <laughs> and, and how I deal with situations and, and, and I get to set the framework for how they deal with situations because they watch me. And so, you know, how does that make me better husband? How does the, these experiences, the up and down, the high and the low, make me a better husband, a better father? I really feel like it's kind of the, the reverse. It's my wife and my children make me a better performer, a better person, um, someone who is more aware of things like legacy, more aware of the fact that the, the choices that I make not only affect me, but they affect my family. They affect, you know, four other people, you know, who are, uh, are dependent upon me to not only provide you know, financially, but to provide um, love and companionship and a moral compass. And just, it, it is, it is far from perfect, but it's, there's that perfection in the imperfection and I love it. So I find that my family, to answer your question directly, I find that my family is a shield um, that I can um, use uh, to separate me from the highs and the lows. And they give me that consistency and they will love me no matter whether I'm, I'm on top or um, I'm sitting in the shadows. That's beautiful. They're lucky. That's great. Yeah, I'm lucky. What about, um, you talked about choices and how, you know, the, the choices we make. And one of the things I read about you is that when the opportunity for American Idol showed up or was created for you, there was also an opportunity that you had just gotten casted to be in The Lion King on Broadway. Yeah. You know, there's this funny thing that, that, we like to say in the industry, it's like when your phone rings and you're in the middle of a conversation with someone, you, you go, oh, 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 hold on one second. It's Broadway calling. Hello? <laughs> and so literally, I had Broadway call me. Now, the backstory of this was I auditioned for The Lion King on Broadway when I was in college at University of the Arts in Philadelphia. And that was when I was like, oh, gosh, I must have been 19. And so between the ages of 19 and 22, um, I worked with the Lion King in terms of doing master classes, which means I went up to New York and I did like the sort of, we're going to teach you the show. It's that next level of the audition, right? It's like the next level of the interview, right? You get past the first interview and then you go to the manager and then you go to his manager or her manager and, you know, and, and so on up the line until you get to the CEO, and they choose whether or not you get the job. Well, same thing happened 
to me, but it was over a period of like, you know, those three years where every couple of months they would say, Hey, can you come in and audition for us? Or, Hey, uh, how you doing? We still don't have the spot. We want you to be in this show, but we're, we're, we're still not ready to put you in and yada, yada, yada. And so of course, of course, it wasn't until I auditioned for this show called American Idol, which no one had ever heard of, and got the opportunity, was told I was going out to California. I got a golden ticket, which I didn't know what that meant. Nobody knew what that meant. I knew it meant a free trip for me to go to, to LA, basically, a place I'd never been. And so I'm sitting in the car, never forget, I'm sitting in the car, and Broadway calls, and they're like, hey, this is it. We know, we've been waiting for years. We want you to be in the Lion King on Broadway. We know it's going to be your Broadway debut. We are so excited. We've been trying to find the right formula for you for years. And I said, that's amazing. But there's this show. I've got to go out to LA. Uh, can I call you back in a week? I promise I'll, I'll let you know in about a week. And they were like, okay, yeah, call us back. And so a week goes by and I'm out in LA in Pasadena at the Pasadena Civic Center. And I'm walking down the aisle in this theater, which is like, you know, any theater that you would go into and go see like a touring production of a musical, mm -hmm. right? Or go see a concert or something uh, like a proper theater. And I'm walking down the aisle and I'm looking and I see the lights and the American Idol logo up on the stage and the cameras are all around. And People, all of these people I'm competing against are in the seats in front of me and I just start to cry. I just, I just like bust out crying. And look, I'm, I'm not a huge crier, even at 40. I find myself getting really touched over things a lot, you know, especially since I've had kids and especially since I've done a lot of work on myself and just becoming more vulnerable and open. But at 22, you know, young and dumb and 22 years old, I, I, it, came out of the, it came out of nowhere. I start crying and I realize that I'm looking at this stage and on the stage, that very stage, at the Motown 50th anniversary, Michael Jackson did the moonwalk for the first time. And I remember seeing that. I remember seeing so many people, whether it was at the BET Awards or other award ceremonies that were held in the Pasadena Civic Center who influenced my life as a performer. I thought I had been up on that stage and I was doing really well in the competition. Uh, I, I felt this feeling of like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And as I'm feeling that, my tears are rolling down my face. I'm trying to just, <laughs> and like not show anybody, right? And wipe my face. And I call Broadway back and I say, <laughs> hey, you know what? Thank you so very much for this opportunity. I know this would be my Broadway debut. I have worked pretty much my entire life to get to this moment, to be able to step onto a Broadway stage and say I made it. But I, I, I really feel like there's something in this show um, and I'm going to take a chance on it and please keep me in mind for the future. I would love to work with you after this. And, and they were, um, they were not pleased <laughs> to say the least, uh, but they understood and they said, all right, thanks. Good luck with that. And you know, the rest is television history. And so I think, you know, really getting to what would probably be the follow-up question here is like, you know, that moment there's, only a few times in our lives, if we're lucky, that we come to this place where it's like, okay, I have two amazing opportunities and I have to make a choice. And at the end of the day, if we are connected 
to our story, if we are connected to what it is that we truly want and we are not afraid to say, I deserve this, I am worthy of this, I am worthy of what it is that I want, then more often than not, we make the right choice. I think that we, I think first off, I guess just, I love that you told that story. I wasn't expecting you to tell the story. I was going to look at choices with you and how you make hard choices. But Mm -hmm. I love the, thanks for sharing the whole journey of it because I think it really plays to, it built up, right? It was a difficult, challenging choice. And obviously it even sounds easier in hindsight. And I think that you're right. Like we do have these moments where we have these two great opportunities, but I think all the time in our lives, we have moments where we have hard choices, right? Do I, do I end this relationship? Do I take that job? Do I not end the, do I propose? Do I, you know, go to this place or that place? Do I move? You know, all sorts of things every day, all the time. And even though we don't necessarily have like the hey, do I pick up this bag of money or this bag of money or the, my dream job versus my other dream job? Most people, most of the time, are, are very confronted and challenged by choices. We're so afraid to make the quote-unquote wrong choice yeah. as if we knew what the wrong choice was, right? Like as if we could right. see the future laid out in front of us and you know, one domino is going to... We have no idea, but we, right. we're so afraid to make the wrong choice that people get paralyzed often yeah. and they don't make choices. And that's what I was really present to here is like, you made a really powerful choice. And a lot of people might say it wasn't the safe one either because Lion King was, wasn't going anywhere. No, was, I could have worked that job for the, I could be working that job still today, 10, yeah. however, 17, 18 years later, I could still be in that company. How, how, how was like, that's the part I'm, I'm really interested in is like, and how do you do that now? Like, how do you navigate those powerful choices? You know, if you were teaching your kids. Yeah, that's a really, really deep question. And I, I, you know, the first thing that popped into my mind when you said that um, is something that we say all the time in theater or if you're in a choir or if you're teaching when I, especially when I'm teaching someone um, a technique or something, I say, you know what? Be strong and wrong. If you're going to be, if you're going to be, be strong and wrong, if you're going to mess that note up, I want you to mess it up because, and the deeper meaning behind that is that you can't learn to be better unless you're willing to make mistakes. I love to tell people that there is so much success, so much of what you want waiting for you on the other side of the willingness to completely fail. And it's like, that's it. I I am so good at a lot of things because I am so willing to fall flat on my face in front of millions of people if that's what it takes. And if we can begin to adopt that in our choices, and now look, to propose, to not propose, these are deep things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, strong and wrong. But (laughs) if you talk to people who, Talk to people who are, uh, have been divorced and are in tune with themselves and are really interested in growth and, and, and uh, self-analysis. Majority of them will tell you, you know what, that was X amount of years or months of hell in that marriage, but it taught me X, Y, and Z that has made me a stronger person, made me better at this, that's going to make me a better partner in the future. 
or I, you know what I mean? It's like sometimes, again, we have to, like you said, it's like, we don't know the future. We don't know if we're making the right or the wrong choice. But if we go boldly in the direction of our dreams, I know that sounds so corny and cliche, but if we go towards what it is that we want, and if we put aside our fears and say, I am worthy of this thing that I want. I deserve this thing that I want. I, I, even though it might not be right, even though other people are saying, don't do it, I believe, and I'm going to stay, I'm going to be true to myself. Then wrong or right in the future, at least we moved boldly in the direction of our dreams, boldly in the direction of what it is that we wanted. And more often than not, you want to take my situation um, with American Idol. It's like, I turned down Broadway to be on American Idol. And 10 years later, after I went through the highs, the soaring highs, and the lowest of lows with American Idol, 10 years later, I found myself making my Broadway debut in the opening night party in the hotel, in one of the conference rooms that I waited in to audition for American Idol. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when we find ourselves paralyzed by that choice, if you can realize, just make a choice. Be strong and wrong if you need to, because if you are truly in touch with what you want, if you move boldly in the direction of your desires, the things that you want, even if it's the quote unquote wrong choice. If you are present and aware and interested in growth, then most likely you're going to come around full circle and be better prepared for that other choice you didn't make than you were in the beginning. You talk, um, you talk like a human who has done so much uh, introspective work. Oh God, yes. So much reflection has done so much like, I want to say personal development in, in some shape, way, shape or form. Absolutely. What do you, what do you actually do? What, cause you, you just, you're bringing brilliance and insights and you're sharing things that um, I, I wish I, we, you and I could give this gift to everyone. Like people would hear this and just, it would suddenly become part of who they are. Where have you kind of learned this? Where do you work on yourself? Are there, what, other people, resources? What do you use? Yeah. I mean, it has been a long, long journey. And I think it's something that it's, it's, it's life and living life. And man, I would love to be able to just, you know, partner with you and, and just give people this sort of, you know, if we were, if we think of our brain, like a computer, give yeah. them the code, right. And yep. just insert the code and allow it to work through the matrix. Right. But that's not living. <laughs> That's not life, right? That is unearned wealth in essence. And I'm talking about wealth beyond mm -hmm. financial wealth, right? And some of the most wealthy people are dirt poor because they have lived life, because they have earned the lessons, they've earned the wisdom that they have. And so, you know, unearned wealth gets you to uh, or usually gets you to a really bad place. I mean, you can think of famous people, you can think of all that. And now I'm not to say that that's unearned, but like wealth that just, you look at lottery winners, you know, the majority of the lottery winners in this world end up either broke, destitute, dead, having horrible family issues, yada, 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 because there's something that happens when you get 
all of that code, all of that, whatever that high, high is, and you haven't earned it. You don't have the foundation to build something uh, that lasts on top of it. And so to answer your question directly, the resources, I mean, it's been a lifelong, you know, journey of looking into things like Shambhala, looking into uh, being a part of Tony Robbins Mastery University, where I got to go, you know, to, of course, unleash the power uh, within. And then, you know, I went to Fiji and worked on um, a whole bunch of body and fitness things with him. I worked on financial things with him and not with him, with his program rather. Sure. And, um, and, you know, it, it's just constantly, it's the, it's canny. It's a C-A-N-I, you know, constant and never ending improvement is something that Tony likes to talk about. But, you know, I find all of these wonderful resources, the more I look, it's like, you look at somebody like Russell Brunson. Russell Brunson is, uh, uh, you know, a huge marketer and click funnels and all this other stuff. And he's got, he, he's got just marketing brain, but within that is a lot of Tony's teachings, um, you know, a lot of uh, Tony Graziosi's teachings, like there's so much information out there and I try and take as much of it as I can, but really at the end of the day, it's just hard one, just, just stupidity mostly that has gotten me <laughs> to where I am, not hard one stupidity, but like hard one lessons and making bad choices, good choices, indifferent choices. It's just being willing to fail. Really, at the end of the day, it's being willing to fall down on my face in front of millions of people, get up, dust myself off, and do it all over again. And that is one of the greatest teachers. Like I said, if there's anything that your listeners take away from this podcast is that there is so much success. There is so much of what it is that you desire and you want just on the other side of the willingness to completely fail. If you can make it through that gate, so much success waits for you on the other side. Do you think we can teach that? Like, do you think you can give that gift to your kids or is it really something that we have to learn ourselves? I think it's both. I think I can help to create the mindsets um, and, and encourage the skill sets that are associated with the willingness to to, to put yourself out there, to, in essence, the willingness to fail if that's what it takes. And it's kind of, it, it's imperative actually for my children because we live in a world now, and my 14-year-old girl can attest to this, where everything is scrubbed, Instagram, Facebook. It's like filters. We see the best of. We see everyone's highlight reels on social media now. And that's, great and all but we're having to uh, so many people are like trying to live up to this ridiculous standard that the people who they see aren't really even truing, truly living up to and so there's this uh, even in our school system it's like we don't it's like they teach to take the test not to actually learn and to grow now that's that's a generalization of course there's some very wonderful schools out there but in the public school system especially and so there's this thing where we don't want to fail. We don't want to look bad. As long as we show up, we get a participation medal, all of those things. And while that's really, I think there's a good intention behind that, I think we lose 
the beautiful lesson of failure. We lose the beautiful lesson of almost making it to our goal because within that space, that space of quote unquote failure, that space of almost not quite making it, there's the potential for explosive growth and explosive insights. And so if there's anything that I could teach my kids is that when they fall down, literally and figuratively, I don't go, oh my, oh my God, he's sorry. No. I was like, come on, pick it up. Let's go. You okay? Okay, great. Let's go. Shake it off. Here we go. I teach them to get back on the horse. Of course, if they fall and they hurt themselves, I lovingly pick them up and <laughs> hug them and hold them when they're crying. I'm not saying, you know, get up, son, like, you know, the, the drill instructor. But at the same time, I'm always tr- encouraging them to, to, to embrace that failure and get back up on it, on the horse and to keep going. You just touched on something that I just recently read. Uh, are you familiar with Seth Godin? Uh, I feel like I know that name, but tell me more. You, you know the name. I mean, he's authored 18 books, published right. in over 30 languages. Um, but his, uh, his book that I just finished reading, Lynchman, it mm. talks, it's, it's about being indispensable as a human being, as an employee, yeah. as a boss, as a, as a member of society. Um, mm. But one of the keys in there is art isn't, something that we can put in a box. Creativity isn't something we put in a box. I mean, you touched on education and a lot of these things, right? Like it's the box is safe. We built a society that like, Hey, put the square in the, in the square hole. And if we all fit in that box and we get a job and we do the safe thing, then we think we're going to be okay. Right. But almost everything that all of us want, you know, what you want, what I want, what most listeners want, what we want for our kids is typically only available outside of that box. Yeah, that's a really, really great framework. I'm <laughs> speaking of boxes. That's a really great <laughs> framework to put that into. And it's so true. I mean, uh, when I think of my journey as an entrepreneur and when I think of, okay, I, I could just continue to be a highly paid employee and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being an employee. There's, you know, em- employees are driven by certainty, right? I want to go to work. I want to get a paycheck. I want to know what my job is. I want to know what the parameters are. And I want to fulfill on that and then go home. And that's wonderful. I mean, the, the society is built on the back of employees, right? Um, some, some of them in the past have not been paid employees. They're called slaves. But you know what I mean? It's just like we, our whole system is built on mostly people with the employee mindset. And that is beautiful. It's wonderful. I am not putting that down. However, those people who really truly make a difference and I'm not talking about global difference, even just a difference in their own lives, their own family, their own communities, are the people who, like you said, think outside of the box. The people who are willing to step outside, face ridicule from their families, from their friends, from their peers, whomever it is, and say, you know what, how can I either serve at a higher level, you want to talk about linchpin and being indispensable. One of the keys to being indispensable is not chasing after dollars. It's how can I serve at the highest level? Because I, and I've had to learn that in, in my journey as well. Because when I think about the numbers, it's like, oh, my, my course is going to cost this much. And, you know, I could sell my book for this much. And I could do that. But <laughs> one of the things that I have learned is that I want to give people more stuff for free up front 
than most people will give them when they pay for it because there is something about service and serving at a high level that goes beyond the getting people to know, trust, and like you, right? You're really, truly giving. And not only are you serving, but you're learning through that service. I've learned so much about my own techniques. I've learned so much about my own business by teaching it to other people. And there's this quote that I love to refer to and, and that actually Russell Brunson uses a lot for click funnels or for the things that he does, but it so encapsulates what we're talking about, about stepping outside of the box. And it was Steve mm-hmm. Jobs in 1997 said, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them, but the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius because the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones that do. And that's really great marketing, (laughs) right? But there's also like truth to it as well. And when we step outside of that box, outside of the square hole peg, you know, uh, uh, analogy is when we have the opportunity to change the world and not necessarily change the world as in like globally go out there and like create a movement, but change the world by changing the next generation that comes after us by instilling these seeds of wisdom, our own knowledge into our children or the people that are around us so that they can go on and they can avoid the pitfalls that you fell into and that they can in they can just just continue beyond where you've gotten first of all we should have an app where you read quotes <laughs> that should just be an app like i wake up in the morning i hit justin justin's app and it's you reading someone's quote as powerfully as you read that's that. Not a, that's not a bad idea. You know, we could we could make some money on that. <laughs> and I almost wanted to like drop the mic when you finished that. I was like, I hope he stops talking and we just end the conversation right there. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you you just hit on so many things. But I think the thing that I'm getting from it is, you you do have to you know freedom and and creativity and the life of our dreams and success all exists inside of um, letting go and, and like following our own path and our own journey. And I think, you know, you touched on something with the employees. If you choose to be an employee, you can also be the best employee. You can be the employee that makes the difference, that reroutes the direction of a company, that creates the new product, that creates the new culture that makes the people that aren't happy, happy. Like there's so many, there's so many choices available and being outside of the box, you can be outside of that kind of just follow the directions and follow the rule box in any place in your life or in any form. Absolutely. Well, well said. That's true. And, and you know, that's why I don't want to, I don't want to downplay employee mindset or employees because 
there have been so many employees who have just, because we, we, we're talking about the box, thinking outside the box, but what a lot of people don't realize is that it's like there's a boxes within boxes within boxes mm-hmm. within boxes, right? And you can still, like you said, be the best employee that you want to be. And you know what? After a while, when you do that, more often than not, you end up excelling and you end up being pulled into the next box, which is, you know, the next level up. And, and sometimes you're not the employee anymore. Sometimes you can just learn enough to create your own company or you can still continue to be an employee in one company, but start a small side hustle that can make a huge difference in your life and your family's life without having to give up the safety and the security of uh, the job that you already have. Yeah. And it's so important that like we find uh, the, our right path and our right role because the CEO role isn't for everyone. The entrepreneur Ooh. role isn't for everyone. Oh. The employee role isn't for everyone. The stay at home parent role isn't for everyone, but that we are true to ourselves and we find that. And then we, we, we started this conversation with being like authentic and finding your authenticity in whatever role you choose. Um, I hear that just like so powerfully. It doesn't matter what you do, if it's authentic to you and you're doing it to the best of your ability and, and, and really showing up in your power. Um, look, things like Lion King wouldn't exist without a whole bunch of employees. And, yes. and we could say that about every industry in the world. I hate the term I'm self-made. I really don't like the term like it. It just triggers me so much because yeah. no one is self-made. Like right. I, I get that we say it from the place of, oh, I started off very poor or I had nothing. And then I created this empire. But you didn't create the empire alone. Somebody was on your team. Somebody supported you. Somebody believed in you and bought from you. Somebody gave you a space to have a, a conversation or um, sold you something or, you know, there's, but it's never... I started poor and I did everything all by myself and I had no interaction with any other human beings. That's not a thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great perspective. You know, I hadn't thought of it that way. And uh, now whenever somebody says I'm a self-made person, I'll be like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shame them for that. That's, my, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a takeaway, to shame people for, uh, for feeling that they're self-made. I get it. <laughs> um, I think it's important, right, that we, because we have talked a lot about this this idea of um, kind of really unleashing yourself, if I had to kind of give it a word. And you can unleash yourself in any, in any role that you're in. It doesn't have to be, if this isn't about like going, everyone should be a Broadway star, or everyone needs to be, you know, the CEO or start a company. It's, but whatever you've chosen for your path to your life, like unleash yourself and be willing to fall down, fall down and yeah. then get back up again. Yeah, another way I like to to think of that is own your own story because no one else has had the life, the experiences, or has the perspective that you have. It's like our our experiences, our individual journeys are like our fingerprints. No two are the same. And so when I tell my students, look, there can be a hundred people going into the audition room for the same exact role that you have, well, that you're going for rather it's no different for people going in for an interview. There could be a hundred different people going in to get the job that you want, but 99.9% of them are going to walk into the door and to pretend to be someone that they're not. 
they're not going to own their actual story, which is like baffling. And if you can own your own story, as a matter of fact, it's chapter two in my book, Audition Secrets. It's, it's don't ever lie. If you can walk into the audition room or the interview room and you can be authentic to yourself, then you are going to instantly separate yourself from 99.9% of the people who walk in the door. And I actually have a little script that you can use in the book um, that will help you do that. And it's all about authenticity. It's all about owning your own story because at the end of the day, the people on the other side of the table, whether you're auditioning to be on Broadway, film, television, whatever, or you're just wanting to get a job, they want you. They want your story. They want to know that they are looking at someone on the other side of the table that they're going to be okay with working with for months or years to come down the line. And if you walk in and you don't own your own story, if you are not authentic, then uh, you're just throwing yourself on the pile with everybody else who's most likely not going to get the job. Is your book available everywhere? I, um, Amazon, your website, like where can, can they find it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can go to auditionsecrets.com and get a free digital download of the book. And then if you'd like to go buy it and have a physical copy in your hand, you can go to Amazon and uh, I believe it's available on the iBook store, but I know for sure it's available at Amazon. But the best way to get it for free is to get the digital version. And all you have to do is go to auditionsecrets.com to pick it up there. And then Audition Secrets, the podcast, where can people listen to you on that? Anywhere that, that, yeah, anywhere that podcasts are available, Audition Secrets, the podcast where is available for sure. Fine podcasts are available. Yes, um, exactly. And then you have a course coming out that's, and they'll be able to find that at Audition Secrets. Is it auditionsecrets.com? Correct. Auditionsecrets.com. All of that is going to be happening uh, in uh, a short amount of time and I'm excited. Uh, you'll see me all over Facebook. Um, if you want to follow me across social media, just Justin Guarini. If you don't know how to spell that, don't worry. Look up guy from American Idol with <laughs> hair <laughs> on Google and you'll find, and you'll find my name. Um, but yeah, I, I'm talking about this and a ton of other things um, at Audition Secrets and all across my social media. I got one last question for you. Yeah. What's the Big next thing outside of this course, because I know that, that it takes something to create a course, but like what's the big next obstacle or challenge that you're kind of going after? And, and what are you going to have to, you know, kind of overcome to achieve that? The next big challenge is for me to expand my brand. I mean, that's a challenge that I'm within right now because people either know me from American Idol, they know me from Broadway, they know me from popping up on their TV as Lil Sweet. Or like they know me, you know, wherever they know me from, they know me as someone who's just an entertainer and a performer. Now I'm trying to expand my brand into helping people recognize me not only as an entertainer, but someone who's also a mentor and who's been there and done that and can help them get to where it is that they want to go. And, and then if we want to look a little bit further down the line from there, my next challenge is going to be moving into producing, moving into creating content at a high level, whether it's uh, streaming content, television content, where I can not only get my voice out there, but help the friends and the people around me who are so talented, create that family, create that sort of cabal 
of all the people that I know, all these people, all the writers, all the actors, all the producers, all the showrunners, all the, all the, everyone, all that, that my, my sort of dream team folks and create great content that gets out there, whether it's, you know, uh, sitcoms or movies or film, television, you know, records, whatever it is that, that we decide to do. And, and that's sort of the next level for me because I got a chip on my shoulder. I'm not going to lie to you. And I have something that I need to prove not to anyone else other than myself, um, a, a chapter that I left off in American Idol where I uh, could have had a very successful album. I could have been in a very successful film. I could have done uh, more successful things in television. And I know that my journey there is not done yet. And that this is just, again, another fork in the road that I'm going down. And instead of chasing paper, I am serving at the highest level. And I know that if I serve at the highest level, that eventually I'm going to be able to come back around and, and uh, prove some things to myself that I've been meaning to prove. That's awesome. Uh, I love that you're not giving up on that original, like you, you move forward and you're also like, Hey, this is still here. I'm still working on this. Um, Justin, thank you so much for for being with me today. I had no idea what, what this was going to be like. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was just such a pleasure. Um, it's such a, um, a genuine, um, like gift that you showed up and you brought the wisdom, you brought your heart and you brought wisdom and you brought play and you brought excitement, but you really did it from a really authentic place. And, and Thanks. I'm just really blown away by how much value you brought today and shared with, with me and the listeners. Uh, and I'm just grateful. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Really. It's my pleasure. Thank you so very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, you asked some really great questions that allowed me to just go and delve into uh, all the experiences that I've had. So you got a really, really great podcast here and I'm, I'm just grateful to be a part of it. Thanks so much, man. Thanks a lot, man. And people can, besides audition secrets, people can find you at, I'm going to, we're going to spell your name, right? Cause your, your Instagram is sure. your name is your handle. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. Justin, which I'm going to, let's hope that people, people got the Justin part. Yeah. But and you'd be it, surprised how many people put <laughs> E on the end of that Justine. So it's J U S T I N G U A R I N I. And if, again, if you can't, if you're like, oh, no, my, my fingers aren't going to work on the keyboard. I don't know what the heck that is. Just look up on Google guy from American idol with the hair. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thanks again, man. I really my appreciate pleasure. it. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason podcast. I am grateful to have you here. Please support me and this podcast by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, or YouTube. And leave a review on iTunes and share this podcast with a friend. If you want more or you're ready to play a bigger game and create more clarity, freedom, and success in your life, you can follow me on Instagram at inspirationalalex. Or you can reach out to me at thedreammason.com or even email me at alex at thedreammason.com. Remember, you are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.